Hello, it's Stephen Keshashen from Making a Better New. I'm your sound engineer and co-host, also a recent graduate from New College of Florida. And I'm Bill Woodson, Dean of Outreach at New College of Florida and uh, co-host of Making a Better New. Good to see you, Stephen. How are you doing today? Good to see you, Bill. I'm doing good. How are you? Excellent. Doing well. Today, we're spotlighting our bonus episode of series Gringo Lanya Chats focused on language and identity. I'm really looking forward to hearing what our friends have to say. This is an area where I, you know, I'm very uh, attuned and fond of the Latinx uh, Hispanic, you know, heritage. I also know it's a lot more complicated than uh, and multi-layered than a lot of people think. And so I've appreciated our first two episodes uh, to really sort of peel back some of those layers. And I'm looking forward to especially this concept of how language impacts uh, Latinx identity. Sounds promising. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Before we do, though, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any suggestions or recommendations, email us at oie at ncf.edu. Enjoy the episode. You can even, oh. you can even record a little bit of uh, your feedback or commentary about the show. And uh, who knows, we might play it on the air. Bienvenidos to Gringolandia Chats, the show where we discuss all about the Latinx experiences here at New College of Florida and beyond. I'm your host, Soy Su Anfitriona, Liz Mena. For any Latino, Latina, or Latinx person living in the U.S., there exists this debate of whether or not you're Latino if you don't speak Spanish. Although this is a somewhat common tension within Spanish-speaking communities in the U.S., most of us would disagree that there exists only one way of being Latinx. So whether or not you speak Spanish, languages play a role in how we connect with our cultures, history, and ultimately each other. In this episode, we listen to five students from different Latin American countries discuss how language impacts their identity. My parents were both born in Nicaragua. Um, and then they came here when they were like, I think, in their late teens. And I was born in Miami. Um, and my pronouns are they, them. So how does language define identity? I mean, my identity, and I'm sure other people's, are really shaped by like the different interactions they have with others and the different experiences they have. Um, and I think that knowing a different language, such as Spanish, opens you up to a lot of different experiences. Because it's not just about, you know, um, communicating ideas the same ideas in a different language. It's also just about like the cultural connections between the Spanish language and the way that different Latinx people live in not just one country like Nicaragua, but in all the different ones, because, you know, there's a lot of different dialects too. There's no one way of speaking Spanish. Let me take that a step further. Do you think there's like a fear of being rejected if you can't, if you don't speak the language or or something like that? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm really hard on myself, so maybe it's not true, but I feel like a lot of my Latinx friends on campus are a lot more fluent in their Spanish than me, and it feels kind of embarrassing sometimes, All right, which is one of the reasons I want to relearn it, um, yeah. so that I don't feel that way, but also so that I can I can have that connection with them, you know? Sometimes I worry I, that I'm like a fraud or something, that I have to have, like, I have to know Spanish in order to be Latinx, and like... I don't think I do because, I mean, it, it's everyone's going through their own process, you know, and, and there are still parts of me that are Latinx and independent of whether I understand and know how to speak Spanish or not. Um, I don't know. I feel like one of the biggest connections between me and my Latinx identity is probably food. Um, 
especially here on campus because all I ever really think about when I'm in ham is how much I miss Miami food. Learning all of my Nicaraguan, my favorite Nicaraguan dishes and how to make them um, makes me feel like more fulfilled in terms of like my Latinx identity um, because it makes me feel like if I, at least, even if I don't know Spanish, at least I have this. Not that I don't want to learn Spanish, but at least I have this other way and I feel like more validated in my Latinx identity. How has your identity as Latinx um, been impacted in your transition to college? So I feel like I've never really been as aware of myself in a given space in a long, long time, or like ever, um, which I, I guess kind of speaks to like the fact that I do have privilege in some way because I don't even realize it. Um, but I guess when I came here, one of the first things I noticed was like how I looked different from everyone else um, and how I probably, I definitely have different backgrounds than many people on this campus. Learning all of these things and realizing all of these things, um, especially because my whole life has been in Miami. Like I don't really, mm. I, I had never been to the west coast of Florida before I came here. Um, yeah, yeah, you understand. <laughs> it was insane. Um, it was so insane. How do you think your ability to maybe understand Spanish or not speak it fluently made you feel in terms of being Latino enough? I know that's a little personal. Um, no, it's okay. But it's definitely um, something we're talking about. Like, I, I think for a while I felt like I wasn't Latino enough because I didn't, my Spanish wasn't super fluent. Like, I don't even think, it's not really that bad. It's just like that my grammar is off. And like it's enough for me, it's off enough for me to notice it and like because I notice it I'm like it's terrible, um, mm. but yeah so I when I think of like my my language and how good I am at speaking it or not my language but the language I I often feel like I'm not being Latinx enough which is why I feel like I have to connect in different ways like through mm. making food like I have to like I feel like I have to compensate in some different way. Which is cool because now I'm learning all these Nicaraguan dishes, but I also don't want to like exclusively rely on one part of Latinx culture to make me feel fulfilled. And I also don't want to make it just about me feeling fulfilled. I'd want it to be about, like I mentioned, like a desire and, and, and uh, a motivation to like learn the language to communicate more ideas. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So since I'm here in college, where Latinx people aren't as abundant, I feel like I have like some responsibility or something to, um, to like you know, take the torch and and run, you know, and yeah. And there's also like the fact that like I'm a first generation Latinx student or first generation college student in my family, so I also feel like I have like a responsibility there to um, finish my education and get my degree. I think that being a first-generation college student also goes back to the pressure of, like, not feeling Latinx enough or, like, feeling like I'm letting my community and my family down. How have you dealt with that um, in a positive um, outlook to reinforce and keep yourself motivated? Well, a lot of these feelings, I, I think, come from me last year um, because last year was when I, you know, when I first came here. So, like, a lot of this was still new to me. And now I'm just trying to, like, remind myself that there isn't one way to like experience a culture in that there's nothing about me trying to learn Spanish or me trying to learn a Latinx recipe that makes me a fraud and that makes me like a fake Latinx or something. I, I don't really have to hold myself to a standard or like I don't really have to, I, don't, I shouldn't compare myself to my other Latinx peers to like validate my own Latinx identity. What makes you the proudest when you remember where you're from? So like whenever we have conversations about 
something like Fritanga, which is like a place in Miami oh. where they serve Nicaraguan food. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> I feel so like it's almost like reassuring in a way. Mm. And it makes me feel like it does make me feel proud of my background. So I think I think that one of the simpler ways of me like feeling proud of my background is by like interacting with another Latinx person that will understand what I'm saying versus like, you know, someone else on this campus who might not have any idea what I'm talking about. According to the Pew Research Center, 71% of adults say it isn't actually necessary to speak Spanish in order to be Latino. And only 28% of those adults say they disagree. From a colonial standpoint, Spanish was imposed on us after all. Yet many years later, various nationalities in the region have made the language our very own, connecting people from Colombia to Puerto Rico to Nicaragua. It's also important to acknowledge the existence of other languages such as Portuguese, French Creole, Quechua, Guarani, and many others that play an equally meaningful role in Latin American communities. Do you think there's a division between Spanish speakers and non-Spanish speakers within the Latino community? Yes, definitely. Mm. <laughs> Coming that's, that's from controversial. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I say that because that's been my experience right? Um, in my Latin community, and that could look so different across the U.S. Like, even just moving to a different part of Florida, I saw that. So I can't even imagine what it looks like in different sp- states. How do you think the role of Spanglish as a culture and as a language, right, as, like, this third weird little, little, little language that kind of picks and chooses from both languages, um, play a role in this? Like, do you think it has a role in this? Do you think it even plays a role in your art? Tell me a little more about that. <laughs> yes, definitely. So Spanglish, you know, until I was like 12, I really thought it was its own language. <laughs> I'll be honest. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's because <laughs> it's like when you grow up with both languages, yeah. um, at least within my family, es una mezcla. Like it, it became like... <laughs> un like arroz con mango. <laughs> yeah, un arroz con mango. Yes. <laughs> un arroz con mango. That's exactly what it is. And it's like... I didn't really realize um, the differences within, like, my Spanish and how, you know, not very, like, <laughs> good that I was at it. Um, when I went into Cuba or when I was, like, in high school that I was um, in an area that was with many Venezuelans and Cubans. Um, so, yeah, I mean, now looking at it, I have a linguistics class and I, like, I studied, like, mm. Spanglish. And I was like, is this its own language? Like, I want to know. and. Wow. In America, they consider it a dialect. Um, So it's more of like a spoken thing. But like there's words in Spanglish that I can't explain in English or Spanish. (laughs) So I definitely think um, it's great because I'm like bilingual, all this stuff. And like I understand myself in the Miami and like those communities. Um, But the setbacks are when I have to be in just a community that just speaks Spanish and they just speak Spanish. So they're very fluent and they know a lot of like corrective grammar and all these things mm. or when I'm in circumstances where it's just American like in college and just being surrounded by so many people talking English all the time I feel like I'm like I don't know either language good like I don't I don't know wow. Spanish very good I don't know English very good I don't want to say it's like an American Latin thing um but I can't say that I was ever told when I was in Cuba oh your Spanish is wrong or this mm. um I I kind of put it on myself because I think that I came from America already with that, like, okay, you're not Hispanic enough or whatever. And they were just very, they were like, 
no, 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 no. Like, just, they would either correct me or they would just try to explain it a different way, but it wasn't more like, you're not Cuban enough. You're not, you know, like, you're not, mm. you don't speak Spanish in this way. I feel, I've, I've felt that the most in Spanish communities in America. <laughs> I hold back um, with non-Hispanic communities and kind of how far I go if they're, or if I'm joking and they take something the wrong way because I don't mean it like that. It's more of like a... Like, the closer we are and, like, the more closer you are to me and, the, like, of our friendship, if it's building, like, you know, I get more comfortable to be able to say jokes and to be able to play around, right. I think. It's like there's these unsaid boundaries of, like, how how humorous or how slangy or dicho, right, we could be. Yes, um, yes. And it's kind of scary when you're learning how to navigate that and you don't know what those boundaries look like. I wasn't told a lot about um, being a working Hispanic in Miami. Um I only dealt with that here. Um, this is this is an interesting difference. It was the same place that I worked at, and they're all of all of them there are Latin, like all of them there are Latin. And I was told because I was Cuban that we don't work hard as enough. And then I got a Domino's job here, and you know only like the owners are Hispanic. The rest of my coworkers and my managers and stuff were not at all. And I was told that. Latin women um, are known to be very hardworking. And, you know, like, Hispanics don't know how to stop working hard. But it's very interesting. Like, me, myself, the pressure on myself is like, okay, you're not working hard enough because I guess since I was born here and I have that privilege and that I have family that had to literally immigrate and work hard for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely feel that stress, at least for me as a Latin woman itself. Um with Latin men or like there's this perception in our little communities like okay like the mom you know the the Latin woman is like you know she's always she's always doing stuff she's always doing that and I even have that on myself and I see it I never question myself and I'm like maybe mm. you're working too hard you know because you have that in the back of your head that you know you always got to be working <laughs> you always got to be working you always got to be amounting to something mm. um so it's an interesting <clears throat> middle ground that I'm in because I'm yeah. born here, and to a certain extent, I don't physically have to work hard enough because I don't have to immigrate to find right. work, to do all these things. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I have to move up then at the level that my family's at. Like, yeah. then I have to be working harder to get us to a different place, you know, to get my kids to a different place. What makes you the proudest when you remember where you're from? Passion. Mm. Ugh. If I did not have passion, I don't know what I would be doing. Right. <laughs> and I think the drive, the passion just to keep going forward no matter what, I think that's something my family, I've related it a lot with my Cuban culture and just like, oh. <laughs> um, but even in Hispanic culture, I feel it's just there's so much love and passion for whatever it is, whether it's family, whether it's culture, whether it's food. <laughs> um and I carry that into just my work, my everything. I just want people to know the passion and the love that I have because I feel like that's the only way they're going to be able to see what I'm trying to say. How does language define your identity? It's a very complicated battle between like people living in Latin America and migrants in the U.S. Like you're forgetting your language, this and that. And like the implication there is like, 
if you lose your language, you lose your culture. So do you, what, what is gringa, gringo, what does that mean to you? As a kid, I really liked to talk with my friends in English and I would always get picked on. I would always get called, oh, I'm gringo, like you're a gringo. Cause I would speak English and like, I, I'm not hurt by that. Cause like, I can see where they're coming from, where they see me like speaking English. Like the connotation there is like, you know, yeah. you start speaking only English, you're becoming a gringo yourself. How does the language, right, that you might use around your family or even other Latinx folks change when you're around other people outside of your language and culture? I feel like I speak so much slower. Like in Spanish, like, you know, I say like a thousand words a minute. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I get that. I feel that. <laughs> You know, I feel, I usually feel a lot more relaxed speaking Spanish too. Not that I'm like worried of like making some grammatical mistake or anything. It's just, it's more comfortable. And like living here, I have so few people I can speak Spanish with. Like, you know, got like two or three professors, maybe a friend or two and that's it. So like, it's always such a relief when I get to speak Spanish. Americans have such a skewed view that, you know, that we're just like a bunch of poor migrants trying to jump a wall. Right. Um, so much more than that. It's not yeah. even that. <laughs> it's not even not even that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, like obviously there are just as many social complexities and social issues in Latin America as they are in the U.S. That to like say something dumb like that, like we're all like working class down there all like working 10 hours a day and farm come back home to have like a tortilla i guess that's just not true it is the real it is like you know it's a little it's a stereotype and like we have the same kinds of like social problems the u.s has So do you think one needs to look look Latino in order to be Latino? Um, and I'm going to switch that more to the framework within uh, Dominican Republic, right? Do you need to look Dominican to be Dominican? How do I say this? When you're in the Dominican Republic, um, it's easy. It, it, you don't have to, like, assert your Dominicanidad or whatever. Like, it, it doesn't, you know, you, you just don't have to do it. it, it it's, you're in, you know, it's your home country, whatever. That becomes a problem when you leave. And like, at least for me, that became a problem when I came to the U.S. Um, I don't think you need to. I don't think um, having a pressure of like asserting it in any way or like being like overly expressive of your context. I mean, if you, you know, if you really identify with it, like I could be wearing like, I don't know, do, like traditional Dominican clothes like everywhere and be like, oh, I'm Dominican, you know. But it doesn't feel natural. It it just feels like if you're trying to force a certain way of looking Latino um, or invalidating another person for not looking Latino, I just feel like that's a little bit. It's a little bit mistaken in that, in, in my opinion. There's this whole conversation. I'm I'm may, I'm guessing that this is where you want to go, um, and I think it's a good one. It's um, maybe like people or the practice of like gatekeeping Latinidad itself or or something. You know, because obviously. Somebody who, like like I said, somebody from a Latin American country, the Dominican Republic, doesn't feel, or at least I don't feel like I need to be constantly reasserting myself as a Dominican. Whereas if you are born in the U.S. and you have, like, you know, Latin American family, et cetera, I feel like, at least from what I've seen, 
um, that becomes an issue. Like, okay, I'm American. My family's Latin American. Um, or they, you know, they have Latin American roots. How do I make sense of that? And how do I, how do, how, you know, what is the relationship between that and my identity? Um, when I first came to the U.S., I felt like um, I was meeting people who described themselves as Colombian or Puerto Rican or Cuban um, that couldn't speak English, uh, sorry, Spanish. And I was like, wait, that's weird. Like, that's so weird because, I don't know, it just seemed like so, like, such an alien concept to me. But the more I understood the fact that, like, it's not like you're American and, like, your whole family is American because if you are born in the U.S. and your family has that context, it's, it, you like that has an effect on you as an American too. You know, like the Latino community or Latinx community is still valid in, you know, expressing that side of them. You know, I have a Latin American context, et cetera. I think that's fine. How does language define identity? It, it definitely plays a big role in identity and self-identity. I feel like having that inherent, like, um, Dominicanization of English and Dominican also lends itself to like moving between two different cultures because we have traditional Dominican traditional Dominican culture or just like modern Dominican culture which is like reggaeton um, like modern uh, bachata all that stuff and still being able to like mediate between that type of music and relating to like stuff in English like rap music in English and and you know it, it, I don't know I feel like it, it opens you up to so many different types of cultures and and subcultures and whatever and i think it's i just think it's really cool and a lot of the rappers that i listen to in spanish also do it like they're from dominican or they're puerto rican etc and they also blend spanish and english in a way that it's really creative um and I, i i love it like to me it's like the greatest it's one of the best things about dominican or just like caribbean culture in general and like the diaspora and whatever is the fact that you don't have like completely assimilated cultures you have like something that tries to like play the middle ground so to speak i feel like that's that's really cool do you think people need to speak spanish in order to be latinx or latino latina i mean i definitely don't think so i know a lot of people lose language like just like maybe their parents decide not to teach it to them because they want to try to protect them from racism and, and um, xenophobia that they might encounter. Um, and also the other thing with Spanish is that it's so like, it can be really like valued, but again, it's like still the colonizer's language, right? That's from Spain, that's still from Europe, even if it's not right, English. Right, right, <laughs> and like, if you speak it, that's great, you know? Personally, like I'm, I'm learning it. I'm studying it right now. Um, I think partly just like a way to connect with my family. Yeah. But you don't have to know it to be Latinx. Absolutely. How does language define your identity specifically? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like socially sometimes, like even though I can sit here and be like, you don't need to speak Spanish. Like socially, sometimes I find I feel like I need to prove to people that I'm Latinx like in certain situations by speaking Spanish especially by people who also speak Spanish because like gringos like who don't know a drop or a single (laughs) word of Spanish like I could say anything and they're like wow but then like with people who actually speak Spanish they're like what did you just say (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah I feel like I have to prove it like I feel like I have to prove that I know the language but um 
No, I mean, I think it's just like kind of the same, like the words I have define what I could do and how I understand those. So like having a flexible understanding of Latinx allows me to fit in there. How do you think the culture and language of Spanglish plays a role in how language can define identity? It, it was just very like common for me growing up and like I could understand it and I had like a command of it. Like it made, it, it was very accessible to me. Yeah. Um, and so it made me feel like more apart, right? Because I was like, I could do that. I can participate in this and laugh at it because it's hilarious. It's like this like beautiful, like middle hybrid thing, right? And like, <laughs> that's what I am too. <laughs> Love so it. It's kind of <laughs> cool. So do you think there's a division between Latinx Spanish speakers and non-Spanish speakers? I think sometimes people will police each other a little bit. But I think there's also like kind of this like very interconnected relationship in terms of like, not always, not everyone who's Latinx is interested in learning Spanish, but like if there's people who want to learn Spanish, but no English, you kind of look to the Spanish speakers to grab that, but they also would need the English speaker to navigate the systems here. Do you think there's a fear of being rejected um, if you don't speak Spanish or look Latinx? Totally. Yeah, I think that's very real. I've experienced it. It depends, like, who I'm around. Like, it's very much a social thing. So, like, Mm. if I'm in, like, a wider group of people, both ethnically and racially, like, it's just kind of, like, whatever. (laughs) Like, they're, like, you know, I can say whatever I want. And they're, like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) But then it's, like, actually, like, within the Latinx people – and even other people of color, um, sometimes they're like, you not, <laughs> you looking so white, like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One time someone even told me, it was like, oh, so you're Cuban, you're just white. And I was like, I mean, that's one way to put it. Like, they're both true. I'll take <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's just funny how other people navigate it. And that definitely affects like how I understand it and different like I might respond to different contexts in different ways and sometimes like Mm. feel a need to prove it like we were talking about with the language but anyone who like like from Miami knows that anyone can be Latinx you could have the blonde hair blue eyes you could be black you know and any anything else you know brown whatever definitely do you ever fear not being understood by people who don't get your culture or your language or your humor Yeah, I think I've been in different spaces long enough to really know how to navigate it. Mm. But those moments of like not being understood are like really frustrating. Yeah. And like also just the fact that like it's never on or at least like with like minorities usually because of how the dynamic works it's never on the other person to figure out how to understand you know it's on me to figure out how do I explain myself to this and like Mm. in like a there's like a type of like discomfort and even a little bit of like hurt that happens in that interaction you know what I mean of having to explain yourself how do you feel your identity as Latinx um, changed or was impacted during your transition to college? Coming to college, like, 
that was the first time that it was something that people noticed about me and like asked me about when they were getting to know me. So it was like, just like definitely like a new awareness. What makes you the proudest when you remember where you're from? My first thought was food. (laughs) Taking people to Miami and having them try like my mom's black beans or like go to like the restaurant I went to growing up. Just like in Cuban culture, like food is very much like connected to like expressing love. That's part of it too, is like that that way of treating food especially in your relationships is like Mm. I love you so much I made this for you or let's eat together because that's so special you know so I think that's like the part I'm most proud to share with people our culture isn't just limited to language Part of this debate is uncovering why it's so much more than that and how we can continue to identify as Latinos, Latinas, and Latinx. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gringolandia Chats. In our next episode, we will be wrapping up this first season with an episode dedicated entirely to Brazil. This podcast is produced by faculty members Professor Jose Martinez, Dr. Hugo Vieira Vargas, and myself. Our editing, mixing, and music is brought to you by Professor Jose Martinez. We also want to thank our student interviewees for their participation and support. For more information about the podcast or resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website. I'm your host, Soy Sanfitriona Lismena. Hasta la próxima. That was a great set of conversations. Uh, I'm really appreciative that uh, our friends at Gringolandia Chats uh, provided that set of insights. I, I learned quite a bit, and uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just marveling, too, at how thoughtful and, uh, our students are and, and, the, and the, the ideas and the, the concepts they're navigating as they're navigating their college experience. What did you take away from it, Stephen? I mean, it was really thought provoking, you know, the topics of language and culture and ethnicity and how they play the different parts of the state. This is the whole thing about performing identity and how important language can be to certain ethnic groups. Um, what really hit me was the performance part from people who were born in America, but of Latina heritage or, and, or those who, you know, emigrated to the U.S. after living in those countries, right? The different types of experience and, um, you know, not having your identity questioned until you get here. Uh, but this is a very Floridian podcast. I would love to see what it would be like if the, the college in Texas or California did something similar um, to see the difference. What about you, Dr. Woodson? Yeah, it, definitely this notion that identity is situational, that uh, people are processing how they, like you said, perform their identity and, and what those expectations are, whether they are within uh, a community of, of fellow Hispanics, Latinx folks here on campus versus out in their hometowns versus when they're among white students. Uh, that, and, and that the challenges around being authentic, that there is many or more challenges from internally uh, versus uh, external challenges to authentic expression of identity. It, it's, it's complicated, I guess, is a simple way of saying it. Very thought-provoking. We always have a lot more to learn. Our next episode will be focused around introducing our new Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Dr. Zabriskie. 
Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or email us any recommendations at OOIE at ncf.edu. You could be featured on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.